Anybody remember uh, after I welcomed you last night, I want you to feel right at home. There you go. That's the best I can do. I can't bring anything else. name of the story last night was One Man Dead, One Man Dancing. It was a sad story, and yet it was a happy story for some. Who was the man that was dancing? Who was the man that died? Uzzah, yes. yeah. Some of you say, why? I don't even understand that Bible story. I'm the same way. But let's review the letter. The letter is found in the Old Testament. So would you go to the Old Testament right now and you say, what verses do you want to look up? I will give you the verses right here. Let's figure out what they did right and what they did wrong. Would you go to 2 Samuel chapter 6, 1-7, through 7, one man dead? Why? And all I'm going to do is just add something to what we talked about last night. Okay? One man dead. Fast you change it, just hit that. So you got to do it. Second Samuel chapter six, one through seven. One man dead. Why was he dead? Anybody? Because he was cheating the ark of God by doing nothing. There you go. So, how important was God to him? Not very. I don't know. Maybe I'm just funny. This is not the Bible. So, but uh, I saw a preacher take his Bible down. He was just trying to make a point. And he put his Bible down like that, and then he went like this. Now, suppose I'm standing on God's Word. And he was just making a point, but part of me is like, you're standing on the Bible. You can't do that. I don't I don't know why. I just, If you just throw around the Bible, like, big deal, it's just a book. I don't know. It's just something about that. I'd be more like David then. I'd be sort of scared. David was a lot different. So, Uzra, no big deal. What did David do differently in regards to his worship in God? Y'all named offerings. Click the next one and I'll show you. Here's what David did different. Keep clicking it. It'll show up. Here's what David did different. Now stop right here. What three things that were evident in David's life should be in yours? First thing he had was a healthy fear. If you look in your Scripture right there, it says this. David was... Well, you tell me. What was he? Why was he scared? Why was David scared? God had just killed somebody. Now, you don't have to turn to it, but in Second uh, Kings, Elijah. Anybody ever heard of Elijah? Elijah's tired. He runs his show, so to speak. He gets up on top of a mountain. He's just going to sit there. He's tired of Ahab and all those guys. And there's a prophet come up and says, Oh, man of God, you get down here. Elijah says, If I be a man of God, may fire come down and consume you. <laughs> guy dropped dead. Second guy comes up and says, Man of God, we don't take this from you. You get out here. If I be a man of God, may fire come down and consume me. There went the second guy. You think he's the man of God? Third guy comes up, drops to his knees, says, Oh, man of God, I know you're a man of God. Please don't kill me. Would you please come down? You know what Elijah says? Sure. Comes on off the mountain. All you had to do was what? Ask. But the last guy treated Elijah like he was a man of God. First two like, Hey! Anybody ever said something like that to Jesus? If you what are the Son of God. Oh, man. Corner God just didn't kill him. Well, see, that's what Ezra does. No big deal. David about drops to his knees and says, you could just now kill somebody. He keeps. He doesn't even bring the ark to his house. He keeps it right down there. Of course, the, it's neat that the ark stayed in this little area. That area started being blessed. And then David comes down. What did you all say? He offered what? Sacrifices. And it's like, Lord, please don't kill me now. God says, I'm not going to kill you because you've got a healthy fear for me. He humbled himself. 
And then he offered sacrifices. Lord, if I've sinned, not if, because I've sinned, chops up the ox, offers a sacrifice. Then he brings the ark in. Click this next one. Okay. With one man dead, one man dancing. Now today's story. So you build off that one and bring in this. Paul mentioned worship, and I've talked about it a couple times. Let's take a look at the art or heart of worship one more time. Anybody ever heard of that song? I'm getting back to the what? You know where that song came from? We had such dull people getting up and just preaching all the time, and church was sort of boring. So they almost invented the contemporary church to add a little bit of life to it. And guess what? If you're not careful, that life or that church that started with all the contemporary music, it got so all it was. Remember I told you we need a balance, God's Word and music to bring worship. Some churches, they just hammer you with God's Word. Nothing wrong with the Bible. But you do have to remember, it's easier to take if you balance it with stuff. But then this new church started doing so much music, they left off what? God's Word. So they wrote a song. This guy said, you know, I just realized all we do is get up and sing, feel good, clap, and go out the door. And he says, and he wrote a song. He says, I'm getting back to the what? Heart of worship. I don't want to just feel good with the song. I can play a Beatles song and feel good. There's nothing behind that though. You know, I can play any song. I can listen to songs that make me cry. They got nothing to do with God. But I mean, if you can have those songs that make you cry and touch your heart and they got something to do with God, wow, that's worship. And those people, no, you just need God's Word. <laughs> I've worked with Juana for a long, long time and you get some adults in there, they just feel like, don't. I'll bring a guitar and do a little chorus. They probably think, we don't need that. Yeah, you do. Kids like music. Well, David says this. I want to do them both. Guess what David was in the Psalms? He was called a psalmist. Guess what instrument he played? He's a heart. David would sing songs and praise God. Man, that guy's got something going on. We can learn a lot from David. Well, here you go. Let's take a look at the art of worship one more time. Think of what happens when you walk into church each Sunday. Now, I, got to, I said, listen to this little story. See if this describes you. I just want to read you something. Some of you think that Charles Swindoll was a... Uh, oh, he's dull, boring. no. He wrote something right here that I thought really sort of caught me between the eyes. Listen to this. I wish there were some way to announce over a loudspeaker outside of every worship gathering, worship, this announcement. The pew zone is for learning and listening and changing only. No parking. Why would you want that announcement to be said? Because what do some people do every Sunday? They do like a car. They go and what? They park. I teach driver's ed and some exciting times are on interstate. Some exciting times are out in the country. I've come around before in the country and I said, okay, it's a curvy road and we go through all the things. I'm sitting on the right with my brake and with my mirror over here. And I asked this driver, I said, okay, we're coming around the curve. What are you expecting in the country? You tell me. Some of you drive. What are you looking for in the country? You're looking for what? Animals. What else? Trucks. Because a lot of people live in the country got SUVs or the big trucks. What else in the country? How can you know it's a slow-moving vehicle? What will it be on the back? The triangle, orange triangle. So I said, if you see those, remember those guys are going real slow. This girl came right around the corner, and I said, okay, right around this curve, slow us down. She, she looked up. She never even touched the brake. She's looking. There's three deer standing in the road. But it surprises her so much she's still going at them. So I have to hit the brake, and we sort of go like this, and deer go. Deer just watching us go back. like, they're not scared because, see, that's their home. But she wasn't expecting deer in the road. So is it exciting time yeah, in the country? I got on the interstate one time. Michelle Smith was her name. I still remember she's married now and has three children, but she'll still laugh when she sees me because she's getting ready to get on the interstate. All it is is a lane change. Check your mirror. Give you a signal. Check your blind spot. Pull on. Why? Because you've already got us up to speed. See, I teach things differently. Some people, what's the worst thing to do getting on the interstate? Slow down or stop. Right. 
So you don't pull out here and go, stop. Okay, let's go. Unless you got a double shield dragster, it's going to be hard to go from zero to 60 right here. So I teach the other way. Get up speed, get up speed, glance back, jump on. But what if I can't? Well, then we just slow down. But you've got to get speeds for my, it's got to be up there. Well, this girl got her speed up. She's fine. I said, glance back. She looked back. Double UPS truck going by. What did Michelle do? She didn't do either one. She didn't know what to do. So she went, ah! <laughs> covered her eyes. She looked back and went, ah! screamed, covered her eyes like this. So I punched its gas and went like this and glanced back. We drove right in front. You either got to speed up or slow down. Can I just go on? Not with the double UPS truck going by. We're just going to go right into the side of a tractor trailer. So I just punched it and we got in front and pulled back over like this. And she went, it's like, where is he? I said, look in your rearview mirror. Oh. And it's like, how'd I get here? No help to you. That's right. No, I didn't say that. I said, because all you had to do was speed up. Oh. But she was scared to death. Was it exciting for her? Yeah. I didn't say a whole lot. I didn't scream at her. I don't holler. Parents do that. I got a break. I'm in control. I'm okay. And she later was like, boy, that was funny that day. And I thought, that's not the word I would have picked. But anyway, it's uh, so interstate scary, country scary. What's the least scary place I teach? Out of my seven lessons, you know what one of them is? Parking lot. Why is it not scary? You don't move very fast. You just sit there. Okay, or should we teach parallel angle and perfect? I'm just, for the most part, you don't do anything. Here's what people do on church day. It's not an interstate experience. Wouldn't it be neat if it was? Well, I've just been to church. Yeah, it's like interstate. Wow. Instead, here's what church is. Watch this. I'll even be the way people are when they get to church. What are they doing? Charles Swindoll calls it parking. He said, I wish there was an announcement to say, no parking. Your life is about to be changed. You're going to do something totally different. You're not just going to do what? Sit. See, we don't think it at all. Some people, I'm in the pew. Don't bother me for an hour. Here's what he says. I thought this was sort of neat. After the loudspeaker goes off, chances are good, even though a loudspeaker made an announcement like this, the same would occur. Folks would just park and do nothing. But he says, you see what's important? Our favorite place to park is in a pew. Jesus said, come and sit before me, but do what? Your life will be changed because you're going to worship. So much of today's worship is dull, it's meaningless, it's cliches that just sit like tombstones over good ideas. God is speaking to you. That's the reason for the command the living God is communicating to you. Henry David Thoreau said this, it takes two people to speak the truth. One to speak it, another to what? Listen. The preacher can do everything he can. He can be Franklin Graham and he can come in and go, I've got a great message that's planned for you. Unless people want to listen, it doesn't matter. I can come in here and be the best speaker that you've ever thought. Wow, Edgar Moses great. Unless you want to take what I've got to say, I'm not a very good speaker. I mean, I've done all I can. But it sort of takes two. So you've got to receive what God's got for you. Somebody speaks it, somebody listens to it. So here's what he last saying. From the first strains of music to the last word of the benediction, learn to hitchhike to God's thoughts. Sometimes these thoughts come in the silence of an offering. Sometimes a special song but try to get something from each service. I'll give you one last example, then I've got to go on. 
When I was a little kid in Giles, we had what we call a party line. Anybody ever seen Andy Griffith's show? Greatest show that's ever been made. But anyway, um, Andy Griffith's got a party line. And just pretend like we've got about 40 people in here. We do. Everybody can pick up the phone when it rings. So it goes ring, and you pick up the phone. Let's make your ring, ring, ring. It's a long, a short, and a long. That's when you're supposed to pick it up, okay? So when the phone rings, ring, 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 she picks up the phone. What if all of us pick it up? What are we doing? We're listening. You might call it we're eavesdropping. We used to do that. When the phone would ring at my house, long, short, and long was my... You say, gosh, you're old. I'm just telling you, it's like Andy Griffith. It's like a party line. Instead of Sarah, we'd call Central. Well, the phone would ring. My grandma's was ring, ring, too short. It's like Morse code, long, short. Well, if my grandmother's would ring, she'd pick it up. If ours would ring, we'd pick it up. But I, I can remember my grandma and my mom were talking one day, and they were talking to each other, and they could, they could hear somebody sort of breathing on the line. And this boy's name was Corey Carter. He would, was notorious on our little road there for picking up the phone, listening in. Would you like that, by the way? Why? There's no problem. You better not say anything about people. And my grandmother said, is that somebody listening? My mom said, yeah, I think so. My grandmother says, I bet you it's that Coy Carter. And a voice says, no, no, it's not me. <laughs> oh, it was him. He's listening in. Matter of fact, there's about 20 people online. Anybody could listen in. Now, I'm, I'm like you. I wouldn't want anybody doing that. Guess what God wants you to do? Treat worship service like a party line. Everybody's here. Everybody's on the same line. And when the preacher gets up to speak, how many people does he want listening? Everybody. He wants you eavesdropping. And when somebody says, let's just pray. Let's just pretend. If I sit beside you and we're talking, passing nuts, preacher starts to pray. And I say, shh, be here. What are you doing? Wait, I'm listening to his prayer. And we listen in. Wouldn't that be cool? Somebody sings a special. Shh, be, I'll be real quiet. I want to hear the song. God knows your heart anyway, so you can be honest. It's okay. How many of you have got certain times of the service that you just sort of check out? Tell the truth. When is that? Some people do. It's like, oh, that song, yeah. Okay, here comes God's truth. Rubra doodling, crocheting. Oh, he's true. Why you missed something? Here's what some people do. All. I, I hate, I'll do a special at home sometimes. One of my least favorite times to do it is when? During the offertory. Why? Nobody's listening. So it says, Lord, you just bless this offering. Amen. The preacher will sit down. I'll get up with the guitar and people are digging through pocketbooks looking for change. You know what I'm talking about. I'm up there trying to sing. People just carried on private conversation. Are they eavesdropping? No. They're not listening at all. And other people, oh, I love that offertory song. That just blessed my heart. I'm thinking, isn't it neat? This woman heard every word I sang. Some people didn't even know I was up there. God wants you listening. Why? It's a heart of worship. Let's look it up. If you had to put a price tag on worship, go to, i got a verse for you. Back it up there. I'll show you. Look at this right here. It's a couple of verses at the bottom. Would you look at Malachi chapter 1, 6 through 14? Malachi, I'm hurrying. Malachi chapter, chapter 1. There's an old book in the Bible that any, uh, a lot of people don't look at. Hey, eavesdrop. Listen in on this now. Don't just sit there and park in the pew. Malachi has got some neat verses in it. I read this. And I thought, boy, this just sort of hit me between the eyes. Malachi chapter 1, 6 through 14. A son honors his father, a servant his master. If then I am the father, God speaking, 
Where's my honor? If I'm a master, where's my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts. To the priest who despised my name. Yet you'll say, hey, in what way have we despised your name? God's, let me put it in everyday language. He says, you guys don't give me any respect. Who was Rodney Dangerfield? What does Rodney Dangerfield, remember that comedian? What was his famous line? I get no respect. Remember that? Well, guess what God's saying? I don't have any respect. And he says, what do you mean, God? We give you respect. God says, here, let me tell you what you're doing. And he told Malachi the prophet to tell his people. Look at verse 7. You have defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have defiled you? The Lord, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? When you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer them to your governor if you think they're good. Would he be pleased with you? Obviously not. Would he accept you favorably? And if you say, all those verses didn't mean anything to me, explain them to me. God's simply saying this. You know what you give me as a sacrifice? The blind, the withered, the... Picture this. Man's getting ready to go to church back in biblical times. Close the door. Honey, you ready? Yeah. Halfway to church. Did you bring the lamp? I forgot it. I thought you were bringing the lamp. Y'all go ahead. Drops him off at church. I'll go back and get one. Drives back home. Gets out. I gotta get a lamb to sacrifice. No, that's too fluffy there. Mm, looks like a good meal for us. Oh, that one over there. Crippled in the corner. I'll get him. You gonna get the crippled lamb? Yeah, he's sickly. He's lamb. If a lamb can speak, I'm gonna die tomorrow. Not if I can help it. I'm gonna sacrifice you to God today. What did you just take for God? Crippled, withered, almost dying lamb. Wow, so kind of you. What if God was knocking on the door? Opens it up. I'm cold. It's outside. Just a minute, God. No, not that's my new coat. I'm not. Golly. Hold on. Piece of the carpet. Hope you be warm. You say, I never do that. That's Jesus. Now I think I'm trying to get the point across. What's your worship like? Is it a piece of carpet? Is it an old sickly lamb? No, it's my best. If I could get your attention the fullest, God ought to have that fullest. Or do you give me an old sick lamb? God, I just want to give you this lamb. He's dead. Well, I'm sorry. He died on the way here. So, sorry. You can have him, though. Thank you. Opens it up. I'm hungry. What would you give Jesus to eat? What did the man whose son has taken off, squandered all the money, came back home, what did the man do when his... That's a prodigal son. What did he give him for a... A feast. My son's home. Tears running down his face. Yes. Put the robe on him, fatted calf, put rings on him, start the music. We're going to worship my son's home. Wow. And he's going to get married in about a month. And he'll mention something every once in a while that I'll hear my mother-in-law. Y'all won't tell my mother-in-law, will you? Because y'all don't know my mother-in-law anyway, but I can talk about her since she's not here. My mother-in-law pinches pennies or she's a really... What would you call those kind of people? Frugal would be an adjective that would be nice. Now, I'm not saying throw your money away. Don't get me wrong. But she, if Andy will mention something or he'll tell my, my wife, Jenny. Jenny will talk to her mom. And sometimes my wife will say something. We're going to do this to wedding. My mother-in-law, what are y'all going to do that for? It's a what? It's a waste of money. What event is this that Andy and Ashley are going to enjoy? How could it be a waste of money? It can't be, yeah. We do this once in a lifetime. If I sat there and thought about it, I'd, I'd 
You know, I'd get emotional right now. It's a wedding. Well, what are we supposed to do? Do everything? Yes. Jesus opens up. We're going to have a wedding. In John chapter 2, I'm going to a wedding. Guess what Jesus did? He showed up, turned water into wine, had the guest, right? Jesus was just, he's the man of the party. I don't want to cut corners when it comes to worship. Just like I wouldn't want to cut a corner. Andy, can you do this? Can we just have a simple wedding, invite about ten people, no big deal? No. I want it special. It's not a waste. But see, that's a daddy looking for his son, looking out for him. We've got a daddy looking out for us children. He wants the best for us. He's not going to cut corners. What would you put as a price tag on your worship then? Is it expensive or is it very cheap? Again, I don't mean any disrespect to my mother-in-law, but would you be like her? Hey, it's going to cost me something. i got to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning to read this letter that God sent me. I don't, I'd rather have sleep. You know what's your price tag on worship? It's very cheap then. Does it cost you everything? Does it cost you anything or does it cost you no thing? <laughs> would you look at these last verses? Turn to the end of the book, 2 Samuel. If you think the Bible's a dull book, I, talk to me after this because I'll prove you wrong. If this is not clear to you right here, these verses just floor me. If it can't, worship can't be any clearer than this right here. In 2 Samuel, please listen carefully. Listen in on the party line now because this is something that you need to overhear, eavesdrop in. If you're going to sleep, please wake up. This is the best thing here. David's going to build an altar. Who's David? He's the guy that knows how to worship, remember? David builds an altar. Watch what he does. On that day, David, on that day, God, Gad went to David. Gad was one of the twelve sons of, anyway. David, Gad went to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Adurai the Jesuit. So David went up as the Lord had commanded through Gad. When Adurai looked and saw the king and his men coming toward him, he went out, bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. Stop right there. This guy, does he have respect for the king? Yeah, it's the king. Runs out, drops down, dust all over him. He could care less. King, what are you doing here? I've come to worship. Whatever I have, you take. No, no, no. I just need to get the threshing floor right there. God's told me to build an altar and we want to worship here. Watch just what this man does. And here I said, Why is my Lord the king come to his servant? To buy the threshing floor, David answered, so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped there's some problems down here, and I know how to solve these problems. I go to God with this. Can I have this threshing floor? Guess what the man says? Take it. And David says, I don't want to take it. I want to what? I want to buy it. The man says, that's absurd. There's my mother-in-law's comment. Yeah, well, it's cost too expensive. No, we can't do that. Watch what David says. Andrew, I said to David, Let my lord the king take whatever pleases him and offer it up. Here are oxen for burnt offerings, and here are threshing sledges, and ox yokes for the wood. Hey, you can have everything. That'd be in our days and time. He'd say, here's an organ, here's the songbooks. Take it all. You can have church here. 